Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? What is happening? Podcast party people. Tell you what, man. We got a good, good podcast today. Good podcast today, man. I'm very stoked for this. I'm stoked for you to hear this. Martin from Sugar, old friend. I met Martin in 1995, which is a long time ago. <laughs> Fucking really long time ago. And uh, super cool dude. Totally hit it off. We've crossed paths so many fucking times playing festivals and hanging out and just partying and yeah, he's a he's a good cat, man. He's a good dude. We talk about Machine Head taking them on their first tour back in 95 on our first headline tour for Burn My Eyes and Yeah, that's how that's a long ago. That's how long ago it was. Back in the Burn My Eyes days, bro. Yes. I uh but yeah, you're going to dig this one. This is this is a good one. Funny and we go deep. We go deep, man. I gotta say, you guys love that Watain. The fucking feedback on the Watain podcast, dude. So much positive reaction on that. People were just like, "Holy shit!" It was cool, man. I'm stoked. I'm glad to have to have Eric Danielson on here. It was some good stuff. Hope your weekend was good. What did I do? I went to, did I go to a birthday party? No, was that, what did I do this weekend? I don't even remember now. Oh, yeah, we party with some friends. Party with some friends. It was a good time. It was a good hang. I think I hear Jared McEachern coming into the building right now. I think he's about to open the door right now while I'm doing my podcast. And that's all right. We can just hang. He can just jump on it. He can just jump on and say hi. But, uh, yeah, I went over to friends, drank, oh, my God, drank my stouts and then my vodka. And then he busted out, my buddy Eric, he busted out some fucking coffee-flavored whiskey and some goddamn strawberry-flavored whiskey and then some fucking tequila. Oh, my God. It was just like, it's too much. It was too much. It was good, too much of a good time. We were laughing our ass off, though. I was hanging out with my buddy Mikey who uh, used to be a tech when I was in violence, and I've known him forever. <clears throat> I mean, known him for a super long time. And uh, he was just, he was funny as fuck. It was a good time. And then Saturday, Geneva and I just kicked it. Our son, Wyatt, was away. He did a little trip down to Disneyland, and, you know, he's, uh, he plays the cello. And so he, uh, he was just kicking it with the cello, and, and, uh, they go down to Disneyland and they perform and they watch another orchestra perform and then they just get to hang at fucking Disneyland and uh, California Adventure for two days. 
And uh, for anybody who remembers, Machine Head had beef with Disneyland for a long time. They banned us, but they let us back. <clears throat> they have since changed their tune, and they've let us back. And we actually played a show in Orlando on the Burn My Eyes headline tour two years ago, 25th anniversary, and it was a fucking rager. Rager. So, uh, so yeah, so he can go to Disneyland now. And, uh, and he had a blast. He had just tons of fun and just ate fucking sugar all day. And it only took, he was gone for five days. He took one shower. <laughs> I was just like, I even bet, I bet Ginevra, I was just like, she's like, I bet you. I was like, I'm going to fucking throw that boy in the shower the second he gets back. She's like, he's probably clean. He probably took two showers. And I'm just like, no, hell no. I'm like, one shower top. She's like, five bucks. I'm like, five bucks. She's like, I'm going to say he took two. I'm like, nope. Nope. Gone for five days, one shower. That's the first thing I asked him. How many showers did you take? Oh, one. <laughs> I was like, all good, buddy. Jump in that fucking shower now, though. Get all them goddamn Disneyland germs off of you. <laughs> yeah, he had corn dogs, pizza, and sugary shit. That's all he had. That's it. Not a vegetable or piece of fruit in sight. That's what you do when you're 15, right? That's what you do. Uh, I've got some uh, big news in case you didn't see, which I don't know how you wouldn't have seen. But you know, on my social, on the Machine Head socials, we're dropping a new song. April 12th, Tuesday, April 12th, which is technically Monday night at 9 p.m. in California. We will be dropping a new jam, everybody. A new jam. And you'll be getting all of the record details. All, the whole shebang. It's all dropping. Pre-saves, pre-orders, pre-everything on April 12th. But the pre-save, like for the Spotify and the Apple Music, actually drops today. Right now, as you're listening to this, it is fucking dropping. So somewhere right here is a link that is appearing, and I want every motherfucker that's watching this right now to hit that pre-save pre-save the song pre-save the album so that when it goes live monday night tuesday morning you can get it boom right on your shit and uh you know i know it it seems kind of pointless like why would i do that like i can just listen on like fucking tuesday but the more pre-saves we get the higher up in the Spotify algorithm, the more people get a chance to hear it, the more it ends up on playlists. Like, it's a big old thing. So it is very important that you guys do this. We, I really appreciate it if you would do that. So somewhere in here, there's also probably in the description, it's going to say pre-save the new track. And uh, yeah, do that shit, do that shit, do that shit. And uh, spread the head, man, spread the head. Spread the love. Tell everybody you know this is coming. All the information Everything you need to know about the new Machine Head record is going to be dropping on Tuesday, April 12th, and then this Friday will be the pre-save. So, very important. Very important. I, uh, I'm going to play some, I'm going to play some jams for you right now from my guest, and I don't, I don't know if I really need to. Meshuggah's just, they're fucking world famous, man. They're world famous. I tell you what, though. This song right here 
is the first song that I ever heard from them. Let me see. Right here. This is actually this is I'm gonna play I'll play the first song that I ever heard from them. Man, they got a lot of a lot of live albums. Let's go to the Nun EP, bro. The Nun EP. Yeah. This is a jam. This is the first song I ever heard by them. First album I ever heard by them was the Nun EP. Ooh, there's that bass line. There. That bass line is fucking... Fucking sick. That's crazy. Jen says uh, he had a little more of like a head feel to him back then. Right? Fuck. Heavy. So heavy. But then this song right here. This song right here. They started playing this on that tour with us. Then I was like, ooh. Such a weird time signature. Heavy, bro. Shit's fucking heavy. It's a rip, right? This is a jam right here, too. New Millennium Cyanide Christ off of Chaos Sphere. craziest vocal line. That is a crazy vocal line. This right here is Rational Gaze. That's a jam right there. Such a jam. There's Gent right there. Every motherfucker copied that shit right there. Everybody copied that shit. Everybody took that riff and that beat. So so many bands even now. I just heard a band the other day fucking came on the radio and then they had like that jam in it. I was like, 
You stole that shit from a sugar. You stole that shit from a sugar. Everybody knows this song. This song's called Bleed off of Obzen. fucking jam. This might be their biggest song. 39 million streams on Spotify. Almost 40 million streams for Bleed. And if you did not know, they have a new album out right now called Immutable. Just came out. You need to go get that shit. This is the, this is the first uh, single, The Abysmal Eye. Video's sick, dude. I just, saw, I just watched the video the other night. It's fucking badass. Crazy fucking CGI. It's, it's sick. Like, it's fucking rad. Really cool. They don't even appear in it. It's just like all trippy, very cinematic. Looks expensive. It looks very expensive. That's what I. That's the first thing I thought. Yeah, new album, Immutable, out now. Thirteen new tracks. Doing up. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I welcome you, mighty, mighty Martin from the mighty Mashuga here on No Fucking Regrets. Martin, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Martin. Remember, we used to sing that song, Martin, to you. Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Way back. That was know, a long right? time ago, dude. It was a long time ago. How you been? Uh, man, I've been good. I mean, it's the same old, you know, keeping the, keeping the band going, trying to make the family life work and, and all that stuff. Just, you know, everything's good. I, I've come down with COVID twice, but not twice. bad. Yeah, but but not 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 real bad. Uh, my uh, my woman works at the ICU, so I guess she brings a lot of it home. <laughs> oh wow, jeez, Louise. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Right on. Are you still? Uh, have you been holding up through the pandemic? Are you guys still on lockdown up there, or is it is it pretty like open now? 
No, it's pretty late now. Uh, we uh, we went out of like semi lockdown beginning of this month. I think it was February 9th. So we've been we've been doing pretty good. I mean, starting out, uh, we got locked down pretty hard, uh, like most countries. But um, it's been a little bit off and on up here in Scandinavia, in Sweden. But um, looks like now this spring, it's like with the Omicron, like tar- starting to like turn over and <laughs> croak. It, it seems like it's going good. So we started, like I said, on the ninth, and countries around us started like you know letting go and easing up. And Denmark, I think, just let everything go, beginning oh. of of February. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, you guys have been pretty open. I know Canada's been locked down, but but the U.S. been pretty much full on, um, right? Yeah, it's just it's the wild, wild west out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, that's what I figured, man. Just go for yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, hundred thousand people dying a month, and it's just like we're open for business. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. yeah. How have you been? No, but how have you been holding up throughout the pandemic? Like, was it was it hard? Did you enjoy it? Did you did you hate it? Did you know? I mean. Definitely didn't love it, but uh, I would say that it was pretty cool still. I mean, uh, for us, uh, we were kind of on the tail end of the touring cycle of the last album, Vinyl Sleeper, recently. We we're kind of, you know, looking towards ending it anyway. So we just like, okay, we had, I think there was two tours that we lost in the tail end there. But all in all, that's not bad. I mean, considering what other, other people's been through. So we could just basically... We just had a set sit down and it's like, okay, so it looks like it's time for a new album. Uh, do we want to go for it? Because I mean, Frederick was still like uh, doing his thing and, and on like on a hiatus. So we were like, okay, we don't have much of a choice. Uh, so just like, let's, let's go for it. So uh, that was pretty easy going into kind of the writing bubble that we usually have anyways. I'm, I wouldn't say that it's just like always, but I mean, being in the writing process for us is pretty much like a lockdown anyway. So it wasn't all that different, but I mean, definitely you could feel the vibes. Definitely. You could feel what's going on around you. Definitely. You could see what's the help with the healthcare system and all that going on and all the deaths and, and the, you know, the general panic and all that stuff going on. I mean, you feel it, you know, I think everyone has. And, and um, for us, I may be, maybe it was just uh, writing was a way to roll with it you know right right did you say that frederick was on hiatus yeah no he uh, he he uh, uh let's see i just lose track of time especially now during the pandemic but it was um when we had like a year to go of the violent sleeper reason touring cycle so to speak he kind of just like hey guys um I've been waiting around to do this thing and build this studio and do my second solo album for so long now and i just I just got to go for it. I, I just need to get it out of my system. I need to do this. I know I'm putting you in the spot, but but I, I can't do this touring right now. And we're like, well, okay. That's kind of from out of left field, but, you know, but but we were like, okay, because we were in between tours. So we're like, so he's like, I think you should guys should just keep touring. And we're so, okay, find a guitar player, you know. But we were real lucky because because we uh, pan Nielsen, who actually met, ended up filling in frederick live just kind of fell into our lap 
apps. Me and Frederick known him since before. We got a lot of mutual acquaintances. He's an awesome guitar player. There's not a lot of things he can't do with a guitar, and he's a fan of the band. So for some, in some weird way, just like we lucked out, and then we could go on touring with Pav for I don't know a year and a half. Who, who was that? Was who was that? Years. You said I couldn't catch what? the name. Like, I uh, Pat Nilsson, he's he's got a band called Scar Symmetry. Okay, he's, oh, right, uh, right. yeah. So he's he's from Yavle, he's from here's from Sweden, and he's he's a he's a real shredder dude. You know, it's like, yeah. but he he's um, it was awesome, you know, getting him to come in and like kind of have his takes on Frederick's style of playing and pulling it off the way he did. That was just phenomenal. That's killer, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know you know what it's like it's weird when you like you know, rapidly adjust to stuff that you were throwing into your lap and you're like oh what's going on but but uh all in all and 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 like that coming out of it it was um it was educational and i think it was good for us yeah how long how long into the tour cycle did that happen like pretty early <sighs> yeah well we did a uh, couple of U.S. runs, and we did. Let's see, we did Europe. We did a festival summer in Europe. And we, we, he, it was after the Australian tour that he he left off. We and uh, so you know, two thirds through, basically. Okay. Yeah. So not that bad, but you know, still some work to take care of. And I was like, okay, but but it wasn't any hard feelings or anything. It was just like we kind of knew it was coming. He he'd been like advertising it a little bit like so like giving little hints and stuff that i really feel like i need to get this monkey off my back i need to do this shit you know and and i can't wait any longer and it's like okay that's that's i i kind of i kind of respect that in a way too because you know you got this idea and this whole like project in your head that you need to get out i i know what that's like so it wasn't a big deal what um so did you guys miss out on any tour dates like or were you in between tours when the pandemic hit? Uh, we didn't really miss out. We had two, two tours lined up that were like booked and like we had the holds and everything, but you we just had to shut between, them down. So you were in yeah. between, yeah. Yeah, so we we're basically in between. Yeah, right on. Yeah, it's crazy. What about like your family life over the pandemic? Have you like connected with your family? Have you, have you just gone crazy cabin fever? <laughs> like I'm losing <laughs> my mind being home all this time. <laughs> Um, well, has it been I good? Mean, has it been, been good? You know? <laughs> well, it's been, it's been both. I mean, it's been a long time. So, you know, for me, uh, I hope I've been, you know, spending more time with my family and like, you know, taking care of that stuff. I mean, not that you had a choice, but I mean, not spending time as much as you couldn't do that either. But, you know, maybe, you know, you shift a little bit of focus, you some some things and, you know, being a dad, I got a son. He's 13, you know, there, there's things that come into perspective when shit like this goes down. Yeah. So, yeah, de- definitely. But uh, but like I said, um, being in the bubble and trying to like, you know, OK, so, so I got writing to focus on. So then then I can go all in on that. That kind of helped, you know, to have a focus and a task at hand. Right. So that was cool. I mean, I know a lot of people who are just like, I can't go and do my job and I like I'm just like going around at home, not making any money. And you could kind of tell that that's fucking eating away at people. You know? Yeah. I, I myself enjoyed the pandemic way too much, way more, than I, <laughs> way more than I should say publicly. <laughs> like, 
I I did nothing, (laughs) you know, like I, that sounds awesome. I mean, I mean, I didn't do nothing, but like, you know, like I, uh, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, I didn't realize what a hermit I was until the world (laughs) went on lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) My life remained, my life remained virtually unchanged. I was like, I go to the studio and I've got, got my studio that I can go to. And then I, do whatever I do here and then I fucking leave and I go back to my house so other than live shows and and you know the fact that it was like everybody home and you know I've been touring you know I went I started touring when I was 19 years old like I'm Mm -hmm. been touring for 35 plus years now and and no breaks I mean like I've never machine heads never gone on hiatus like we've never taken a break like it's just been tour album tour album for 30 plus years now and and uh i don't know like even if it was forced it was really i don't know i reconnected with my wife i reconnected with my kids you know like just spending all this time together and you know even if it was just being home it was still just you know just walking just going on a hike with my yeah, kids and the dog you know just shit like that like i just fucking really enjoyed it and, and i man that's awesome i mean i'm glad to hear it because i mean yeah, it's it's about you know unless like a really really bad stretch of luck is thrown your way you really need to make the most of it anyway you know like you, you have to turn it into advantage because if not you're going to drive yourself crazy anyways you know and i mean c- connecting with people i mean you know it's it's uh, about those priorities you really like when you i know you guys have worked a shitload and and you know i know as a touring musician you know it it's hard to like get caught up in the machinery of it because it's what you're used to doing. Here's the cycle. You, you like you tour, you tour, you tour, and then you do these things and then you go into like the album mode and then you come out on the other side and here we go again. And, and, and it's such a um, natural state to you that, that when, when, when you like all of a sudden realize, oh, this is what time off is like. <laughs> it's kind of neat, you know, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, good. We, we, you know, I definitely wrote and I wrote at a different, uh, at a different pace than I normally do because mm-hmm. we, you know, we had kind of switched into this mode of just releasing digital singles Yeah, and we had started that even before the pandemic, but you know, certainly during the pandemic, I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't need to write a record. <laughs> just write a fucking, I'll just write yeah. one song and put it out like two weeks later. And I would do that. Like I'd write a song and, and two weeks later it would be out for the world to listen to. And, you know, I, I just like switching that one little kind of, you know, like you just brought up, like it's like, okay, we got to write 10 songs now and then we're going to go tour it for 16 months and then we're going to write, you know, it, like that. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It just made my brain work differently. And I, I liked that. Like I liked the kind of immediacy of it. Never had never done that since, you know, back when I was like an unsigned doing demos you know, like I'd make a rehearsal tape and then I'd share it with my friends. Right. Or I'd, yeah, I'd we'd, yeah. we'd go record a demo and then we'd like just give it, you know, sell it at shows or whatever. And there was no like it was out like as soon as it was done. Yeah. And then when then we got signed and, you know, we're, we weren't allowed to do that anymore because the record company yeah. doesn't want you to do that. And it's like it, it really felt more like that. It really took me back to like the old days of like when I first started playing music and, and like, oh, that's great. You know, so that's great. It was cool to feel that way. You know, like it was, it changed as an artist, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, yeah. did anything like that happen to you? Did like, you know, did this isolation or this other thing kind of 
change anything for you? For, for, for me personally, it kind of did. I mean, I've, I've been somewhat of a prolific writer uh, normally. It's just, you know, you know what it's like. You, ideas come to you and you got to get it out and that's how it works. And then you might like work away at them. But what, what happened was that when we, okay, so the pandemic hit and we knew that, okay, right. mode. Okay. We're going to do this album somehow. Uh, let's start going for it. And I felt initially I was, it was kind of a daunting task and it never used to be because it was just like, okay, everybody's starting to write. Just like pull ideas together and see where we go. But with the pandemic and with everything going on around us, it was like, okay, this needs to be a real focused effort. So I was kind of worried that I would cramp up. But once I got going, it really agreed with me because I, I usually don't have a lot of leftovers. I have material for like three different albums and it's Holy some of it's stoner, some of it's clean guitar stuff. Some of it's like, I, I, I just let go and just like, whatever, throw shit to the wall and see what sticks, you know? And th- so we might, we might see a Martin solo record now too. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. Um, one of these days maybe, but, but I had like the Meshuggah stuff like piled up. So it's like, okay, where, where do we go with this? But like, like you were saying, I was, I was kind of attracted to the idea what what would happen if we just don't make an album, but it was, like, you know, put out a song here and there, because that's something we've been intrigued by, the idea of doing, you know, because it, like you say, it feels so much more like a direct line out to your fans rather than going through the business. Not that that's always a wrong thing, but, you know, having to plan like, oh, so you're done with the album. Well, it's going to be fun in six months when it's actually out. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, but we're done now, you know, and it's like it kind of hampers you emotionally emotionally somewhat you know and it's not that like spur of the moment type of feel that you really you know miss from when you were younger so i'm i'm glad you got around to doing it i'm a bit bummed that we didn't but maybe you know next time we release something we can do that you know just for the hell of it but um for me it was was like i mean i wasn't expecting me to write more than i usually do but it turned out i volume wise at least it was like three times more wow so i'd say that this entire thing actually helped my creativity rather than the opposite do you write at home or do you go to do you have like a jam room you guys go to uh we write at home i mean i'm i'm up north where we me and thomas are from like uh six hour drive six hour drive north of stockholm way up north yeah uh so so i'm here and the other dudes are down in stockholm and oh okay the the way we usually go about it we don't do that much jam jamming i mean whilst once ideas are out and people are tossing them around we can go down and like get the feel for them and go places with it but for the initial like ideas we just you know i come up with something i got this little shed out on on my yard where like my my, you know my my little man cave where i've got all my shit so i run out there and you know usually i have my you know my voice memo full with like that you come up with like walking like you know you're doing the groceries standing around like buying milk and you're like and people are like what the fuck's up with that cycle like why birth around that fucker he's on something but it's like you know and, and then you and then you go home and you like kind of compile it and try to like work it like that totally. you know and we 
you know, so that's how we roll. And I mean, we do it all in, in Cubase with the drum kit from hell anyway. So I try to record entire songs, all the drums, all the bass, okay. like the way I want it, you know, vocals as well. Oh, wow. Cool. And then you can everybody say what, and then you just send like a, a wave file to everybody and then they hear it or can everybody kind of see what you're doing in. No, we, we okay. try to, we try to have some kind of, it's been different from album to album, but you know, like a Dropbox or something right. where we just like, okay, I feel like this is presentable enough to like cons be considered an, an idea. And mm -hmm. then we toss it up because you want to, one of the things is like everybody's writing to some extent, not on every album, but like, you know, pretty much everybody tries to contribute and it helps, you know, when it's like, oh, we got direction here. We got like at least four songs that everybody likes and then it starts, you know, rolling. Yeah. Right. So that's how we do it. Even though you and Thomas live in the same area, you guys don't have like a jam room together? No, I mean, in Stockholm, in Stockholm, where, well, he... I'm where we used to live. He's still down in Stockholm. I'm up north. But oh, gotcha. We have this. We have this studio. You and the Thomas grew up. You're saying you and Thomas grew up in this area, but then yeah, but yeah. he all lives in Stockholm. Okay, gotcha. Exactly, exactly. Um, but we have the studio. So for the other, for the four guys who actually live in Stockholm, we we have where we rehearse. And I mean, Thomas goes there pretty much every day, like anyways. And so so we got some place to like jam, you know. And and I go down there every once in a while, and it's like a it's a rec center for, for grownups. So, you no, know, I, I sleep there and you're like, I've got this little headquarters going. So, you know, we, we do, we do get the feel of each other and stuff like that, but we just rarely, the, the, the like initial ideas rarely come from there. You yeah. Know, it's been a long time since we grabbed a couple of beers and just jammed out. So that's how we don't I mean you, you guys, but you, how do you do it? Um, well, on this record, Jared and I have a, this is a, this is my studio. So Jared and I yeah. come down here and we just work on ideas. My engineer, Zach, is uh, also a drummer. And so, you know, we, we don't, I don't, I can't remember what program we use. It might be drums from hell or I don't know what mm -hmm. it is, but he programs stuff. And then that, we just demo it like that. And we just try, you know, a lot of times when I write, you know, like you just said, like, I kind of hear everything in my head. You know, mm -hmm. I hear drums, I hear bass, I hear vocal, you know, at least initial vocal lines. Yeah, you know, I, can, I can hear alternate melodies. And so it's really just about trying to get all of that idea out down finished. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it changes, it changes, you know, we fuck around with it, you know, or yeah. like Zach, Zach, who plays the drums, he'll go, oh, why don't we try this or try that or whatever. And we just sit here and jam on it and just like, you know, so that's yeah. the way we did it. It was just the three of us a lot of time. And then, I, get, cool. and then I got a drummer, uh, this guy, Naveen Copperweiss, who played in Animals as Leaders. And he, oh, right. he's a local, he's local here in the Bay area. And so then he would come down and then we would actually jam it, you know, jam it and kind of mm -hmm. feel it out and be like, okay, this feels good or bad. Change this, fuck around with that. And, yeah. you know, and he would change things too. And then, and then it would, that would be the, what, it, what we end up with. Okay. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. I mean, I, we, we, we may be like, you know, really work it through like one-on-one -on -one before we present it to each other, but it's still tongue. I mean, it turns out to like me sitting at the studio with Thomas playing one of my songs, going through, you know, fills. How, how, like, for instance, most of the time I'm like, here's how I programmed it. Now, like, now you do you, <laughs> you know, right. and he reworks it the way he feels is more like logical to the setup and anything like that. But and we also mess around a lot with the songs, like, you know, take parts out and like re rearrange stuff. I mean, it's it's I mean, writing an album is never 
a fixed state until you're actually done with the recording. Right. <laughs> At least to me, it's like it's an open book until you're actually about okay, it's out of our hands. We until the money ran out. <laughs> until yeah, the money ran done. out. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of money, yeah. I can't fuck with it anymore. Exactly. I wanted to uh, bring up to the listeners uh, that this is this interview is actually taking place because of Metal Hammer. Metal Hammer UK has got a uh, series that they're going to do called The Innovators, and they wanted mm-hmm. me to interview uh, Mashuga, who they view as innovators in the metal scene and <laughs> in general. So yeah. this is kind of a this is kind of a cool. Uh, this is kind of a cool thing, and so I've got some I've got some questions, uh, which they wanted work. They kind of wanted to use as a guide, but you know I don't usually use questions when I'm doing the podcast. I just kind of no, let I get the conversation it. go wherever the fuck the conversation goes. But uh, they had they had some things which, and they were good questions. So I just thought it would be kind of cool to run some of them past you periodically. You go I, for it. I don't want the, I don't want this to turn into an interview. <laughs> uh, no, I get. I don't it. like no, God forbid. Yeah, you just go for it. Just toss them in whenever you want, man. I mean, if if the hammer wants it, <laughs> whatever the hammer wants, the hammer gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. No, uh, but it was cool. I thought it was a cool concept, and uh, I guess this is going to come out in their print magazine and then it's going to come out simultaneously on my podcast which i think oh, is cool. a cool cool trip and so uh you know i guess they originally were going to have thomas because they were saying that thomas i guess is the spokesperson for mashuga mm-hmm. but i had actually requested you because i was like i just had more of a rapport when we toured together like i yeah, yeah. you know yeah, just yeah. had more of a rapport with you and so i yeah. thought it would be fun to have you on yeah that's super we uh the first question they had was that uh you and thomas that you've known thomas since you were like six or seven years old i guess you grew up in the same uh city together up north is that true yeah that's true i mean me and thomas grew up kind of same neighborhood uh not like this next street over but you know pretty close went to the same like kindergarten or preschool uh at six and um then we just got stuck i mean first we were like friends just growing up like you know what's that that age everybody's your friend basically or they're just your worst enemy he happened to be on the good side of (laughs) of me but we um so we we grew up and it was like about i guess 12 years of age or something like that but we found out that we got a mutual interest that we like music and I already had a guitar that my mom got off of some relative uh, at one point or another that I started to mess around with. And Thomas, like really early on, was was onto the drums. Uh, I don't know who turned him onto the drums, like at, I guess, like 10 years of age or something like that. But that was what he was going for. And I remember like we started rehearsing like when we were 12 in his parents' basement, you know making a fucking ruckus and it was like you know it it um so yeah it's been weird we 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 went to school together but you weren't uh, we you weren't took, really we, friends in school or were you friends well we were friends we yeah, were okay, best yeah. friends so we grew okay. up like this you know from six and then like started playing music together and then you know we took a sabbatical say uh, a year at the same time um started going to like uh, took carpentry same same school uh, oh, wow. together and then I, we had this band, this instrumental kind of, I don't know, like 
Rush-inspired thrash metal instrumental weird stuff going on. It was really weird, but <laughs> that's what we were doing back what's in the, the day. What's the, wait, hold Take me back to the very first uh, jams that you guys are doing, though. Like, you first <laughs> start playing guitar, he starts playing guitar. What songs are you guys jamming on? Like, because oh, you're not man, playing I mean, Rush. You're not playing Rush at 12. <laughs> like, no, 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 we weren't. Uh, but it was like, I guess what most people jammed out to at that, that time, you know, like, the simplest new wave of British heavy metal, like, you know, uh, breaking the law and uh, like, uh, you know, a lot of all like the Judas Priest, uh, yes. old Metallica, like, like Kill Em All, like, for, like that was just coming out. Right. We were like and you guys were listening to that. Even yeah, that yeah, we heard it on the radio, actually. There was this, um, uh, the, the government subsidized radio had this, um, show called Rockbox, I think, with this guy called Pat Fontanda. And he played everything, like from UFO, Led Zeppelin, up to like what was coming out now, what was like hot. Oh, wow. You know? That's and, awesome. And, and he really, we didn't know it at the time growing up, but he really exposed a lot of kids in Sweden to just like, you know, sitting around your radio recording that show. Right. And just waiting for the gems to show up. And back then, like being like 12, 13, not having the internet that was a treasure trove somebody actually had an hour where he just put on the best shit that you never heard of and told the backstories and did all that stuff so it was like that's awesome really yeah that was awesome so black sabbath you know like that type of thing you know smoke on the water you know easy stuff like that but i'm um and then we, but something that was weird was that we started writing stuff pretty much straight away. Granted, they weren't really songs <laughs> and it would be totally unlistenable to anyone today. But I mean, we, we tried. We initially tried, okay, okay, what type of songs do we think that we can come up with? So by the time we rehearsed our first like four or five cover tracks, we had like one song of our own when we were nice. 13. And so, what was the name of that song? Was, Do you remember? I think I don't remember something weird like Acid Rain or something, something like okay. that, like some band name, but not a band that was around at that time, but right. something that turned into a band name because I remember but, Thomas was it like a new wave? Was it like a new wave of English heavy metal type song? Yeah, a little bit like that, a little bit, but but it was. You know, it was so rudimentary. It was just right. like trying to like string notes together. You know, awesome. you know, it's like. But but we started. We we never. We always aspired to write. That was always something that was, like, to to create to like be able to make something similar to all these fucking cool heavy metal tracks on our own. At least like close to it someday. You know, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> I remember, I remember like the first couple of rehearsals that we had, we were doing that where um, uh, Thomas's parents had their oil tank for the heater uh, in the basement, like this big oil tank, you know, and it was never rarely full. So, so when Thomas like had his drum kit set up so that the oil tank was in his back. So that when he felt it was like we were really getting into some heavy stuff, he would start banging the, the back of his stick, <laughs> and it like would over like nothing else could be heard for like fuck you were deaf, you know. But it was so fucking cool, you know. But his parents didn't enjoy it. I'll tell you that. Right? They were like, "What the hell are they doing? What are you doing?" Yeah, they're they're like, it's the like a, it's like having a gong, right? Like gong. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's great. That's great, yeah. man. That must have been good times. Yeah, those were good times. I mean, it was so naive. And, and well, you know what it's like when you're young and you're picking up an instrument and, and nothing's taken for granted and nothing, and it's hard. And it's and it's frustrating and it's tricky and you're trying to get over what these fingers don't want to do and, and all this stuff. But but that exploration, man, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, like, do that for a second time. That, like, eye opening, like those moments when you heard, like, you know, Master of Puppets for the first time or like even going back earlier, like like listening to when you had a cousin that played you like one of those Black Sabbath albums Sabbath right. when you were like, wow. Right. It's heavy. And it's, I mean, I remember I heard Fast as a Shark with Accept by Accept. I don't know what year that can be, like 85, maybe. Let me say that's 81, 80, 80. Oh, is it that early? Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I heard it like sure. I maybe was 12 or 13 when I heard it. And I remember me and Thomas listening to it and we're like, this, this has got to be fake. Nobody can play right. this fast. It's so fast. <laughs> it was so fast. You were like, oh, and now you're like, listening to what's around today and it's like well maybe not so fast i tell you what though that's a fucking awesome song though man oh it's awesome that song to this day is still a fucking ripper man so many yeah cool yeah i mean cool key changes and like but it's like ah you know yeah fucking adrenaline it's it's awesome yeah that's uh, that's amazing that that song was so important dude that was a really important song for me too that was maybe the first thrash song i ever heard you know, like that, that kind of predates, you know, kill them all in a little bit. And so, you know, th- yeah, I mean, that song, just that whole album, Restless and Wild, to me was a fucking, it's, yeah. it's still to this day a killer record, like top to yeah, bottom. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like all systems go kind of feeling uh, uh, that like, I don't know. It was something special. I had Wolf Hoffman, except just put out a new record, and I had Wolf Hoffman on the podcast, and I was just oh, like, really? tell me everything about that record. <laughs> like, I could talk to you about this for three hours. Like, fucking, oh, I love that's got to be, oh, man, I'm, it, I'm, I'm, I'm actually jealous. That's awesome, man. It was a really, it was a really cool interview, you know, and I just, dude, I mean, dude, I used to have, there was a picture in Kerrang! magazine that came out, and we used to go, me and my friend used to take this BART, which is the subway, into San Francisco, which is like about a 50-mile one way, you know, on the subway to get to this heavy metal shop that sold, like, underground metal records and underground metal magazines. And they they were, like, the only place you could get Kerrang! because it was an import. And there was a a, a Kerrang! Uh, magazine cover that had Wolf Hoffman. It was him, leather jacket, the white flying V. Dude, yeah, I literally yeah. had that thing on my wall for years. Just <laughs> and the whole time I'm interviewing Wolf Hoffman, all I'm thinking back to is staring at this fucking cover of Kerrang! magazine going, that's the fucking coolest guitar I've ever seen in my life. This yeah. dude ruled, you know. It was it was oh, wild. That's awesome. It was oh, that's so good. Yeah. So you take so you take a break. You start. You go to a carpentry school, and then you go like, "Hey, maybe this isn't for me. I'm going to get back into playing music with Thomas." Yeah, basically. I mean, me and Thomas, we finished that that school, but then I mean, I, I think we were pretty aware that this was not a career choice that we really like where we really wanted to go. I are mean, you, it was. Cool are you still in high school, school at this point? Uh, I would. I would get no. I mean, in Sweden, it's like. Uh, it's, it's classes one to nine is okay. ca- kind of like you know the regular school and then you go to like what we call here the gymnasium which is like three to 
between three and five years. Oh, you know? okay, gotcha. So, uh, it like it's a it's a pre work where you can actually get a job after you do that. But then most people okay. go on to university, which we never did. So that's like the, the final education that I got was actually carpentry. You know, so but that was back in the day. Uh, that was like two years or something, and mm-hmm. and we were we were done or Thomas actually started taking carpenter working as a carpenter going up to him starting up with with Meshuga because it's like where Meshuga is from is like an hour's drive north of here Umil. so oh, okay. me and Thomas are from a we're from a town down a little bit to the south and we had this band of the weird band that I was talking about Barophobia when it was named what was it um, called Barophobia fear Barophobia. Of, yeah it's like fear of uh fear of losing gravity or something like that i think okay. if i don't remember and created something stupid but we we had this band but um the two guys that were playing with us i mean me and thomas would wanted to be like heavy and experimental and do weird stuff and the other two guys we were playing were, were good guys and good musicians but they wanted to do like kind of more like extreme a little bit more like the band extreme, oh, not the band extreme, extreme. music yeah they wanted to like have a little bit more of a chick appeal, I think, <laughs> to, the, to their songs. Uh, anyways, we, we just felt that we weren't really a band anymore and they wanted to go for their own thing. And at that time, Mashuga, that we actually played a couple of shows together with, you know, at rec centers and stuff like that. So when oh, we were okay. like 16, uh, they, they just uh, lost their drummer or their drummer wanted to quit because he felt that this is this is not for me. I want to do something more ordinary, just get a get a job and have a safe, safer life style, sort of. So Niklas is his name and he, 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 he so he quit. And so they were without a drummer and had a couple of labels that they were in touch with. So it was kind of like sensitive times. So they were looking for a drummer and I know that they contacted Thomas and was like, well, you're a really good drummer and we like your band, but we're, we don't have a drummer and the way we hear it, you might not either have a real band going right now. How about joining up? So he called me and asked who, who, me, call, who calls you? him, who calls him to say all that? I think, I think it was Jens, but I'm not sure okay. to be honest, but I think it was Jens. And I actually think that the the the, the contact was was made uh, in a in a music store in, in Umeå when Thomas was up there buying stuff that he couldn't find here in Örnsköldsvik. This is a smaller town, so less well stocked and all that stuff. So he took the bus up there, and I think that's how he like got in touch with them and and actually learned that they needed him for for drumming. But he was like, uh, dude, I. I really don't want to leave you like high and dry, but we don't have a band and I want to play. And these guys want me. What, what do you think I should do? And I was like, fuck it, man, go for it. You should start the band. I mean, they're an awesome, we, we were like pretty, we, we liked the style, you know, like we had those thrash roots in common and new wave of British heavy metal in common came from the same background so to speak wanted the same things you know had the kind of an idea that we wanted to to like or they wanted to break out into something that was just like we, we, we'd be metal but not that generic so to speak uh and so so for him it was like super opportunity and we were just like treading water anyway so i was stuck back home in here in the week he moved up uh, to Umu and started playing and i just quit so I started working at the oh, school, wow. like uh, taking care of kids that were like on the slides. So like, you know, trying to because, you know, uh, so I was like kind of a, 
a mentor type of deal that they kept in school for people who were just, you know, starting to lose focus uh, and uh, and to be like a link for them. So I worked with like a year or something, doing that a year and a half. Sold everything apart from one guitar oh, in my Porta studio. That's fucking just, crazy! Holy yeah, I sold shit. everything because it was like it was painful. I was I was still young then. I was like twenty, but but you know, like it was. Me and Thomas had played since we were small kids, and everything was centered, and everything was centered about discussing. Well, you know what it's like, like lyrics and you know, buying new apps, and where should we rehearse next year, and maybe get some gigs going, and a demo, and maybe a record deal yeah. one of these you, days. You kind of lost your you kind of lost your friend of fourteen years in a way. Not that you weren't friends, but you know, like, no, exactly. Now. We lost the common goal, the common purpose. I wasn't a part of that anymore, and I didn't have anyone here that i felt that i wanted to continue that journey with not that it was a lot of good musicians around not that but it was just like it's always been me and him now it felt fake it felt like if if we're doing this metal thing it would be me and him so i what i did was i actually rehearsed with two guys who really was like you you can't quit barophobia you need like we need to rehearse these songs and they had the space where i could rehearse so i was like okay I can use their amps, use my guitar and just like keep it going, see if I get 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 things going again, get get the feel for it. Cause I really didn't feel like it. But I was still playing somewhat. And then Mushuga released Contradictions Collapse, the first album on Nuclear Blast in, in like 91. And then a year after that, like late 92, uh Thomas called me up and he was like, dude do you do you play at all i'm like not a lot but i still got like one guitar how how so he's like well jens feels like maybe he wants to like not play guitar and just focus on vocals and back then mashuga was a two singer vocalist back because oh, well. frederick okay. was doing yeah half of the vocals were frederick's and half was jens oh okay so frederick didn't want to and jens played guitar and jens yeah. played guitar okay yeah, exactly. So both played guitar and both like did vocals off and on. So Frederick didn't really want to do that anymore. And Jens felt maybe that, okay, it's quite a lot. And if we're going to, to do it now, and if we're going to like experiment even more, maybe I should stick to doing this. And so they needed a guitar player, someone that they hope, I know that they hope that 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 person could write as well. So they started looking for people. That wasn't me, but like people who were like putting out ads and stuff like that. So they had a couple of guys come up from Stockholm. I know hasn't had this audition, and I think it didn't turn out all that well. Didn't go that well. This is so they after like, contradictions collapses out, though. It, exactly. It was at, so like ninety two ish, sort of around there. Um, so they called me up and went. Like, Thomas was like why aren't we asking Morton? Because we got this dude, I know him. Uh, he knows this band. He's got the potential and he writes music and he's not playing anymore. So they were like, yeah, do that. So he called me up and asked me like, can you, can you like, the only thing we need to know is can you like come up and rehearse? And if it works out, do you want to be all in? Is, can, can this be 100% for you? And I'm like, if it works out, it it better be a hundred percent because this, it, that thing I got going now is not working out for me. 
you know. So I'm really hoping it can be 100%. And it turned out to be. So I, I started going up there, rehearsed a couple of times, uh, talked some things through, and it was like, okay, here we go. So yeah. from night, like the, the, I think uh, early, late 92, early 93 is when I like officially jumped on the band. When you, uh, when you go, do you audition? Is that what you're doing? You go like audition for the band? Yeah, that, well, that's what happened then. You know, yeah, uh, like you get, like, they're like, "Hey, learn these three songs, and then yeah. come and play them with us, and you know, fucking yeah. see how it exactly. goes." Exactly, yeah. exactly. Did, did you do good? Did you did you blow it? Did you? <laughs> Man, I was so nervous because I mean, not only was it a, ch- a shot to play with a band that I respected and to get back with my old friend and do what I love doing, it was also like one of those things where I hadn't really been focusing on music for a year. And you know what that's like. A year is fucking a long ocean time. of time. You know, it was a long time. So I just like, I didn't know if I still got whatever I had when I kind of quit. So I was like, it was, it was a trip. I was, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make this. I, I felt that I had a pretty rough sketch of what, what like that I could manage, play the songs if I didn't fuck up too bad and just like, you know, stumble over myself. But uh, I, I don't remember what it was like doing the audition. You know, it's kind of like the first show. You remember being nervous and the bright lights, but you don't really remember what went down. You know, it's just, right. but apparently it turned out good. So yeah. I was up, I was up, I think for two weekends and then we're like, do you want to join? I'm like, fuck yeah. And they're like, okay, you're on. So. During that during that period where you weren't in the band with Thomas, were, did did you and Thomas kind of lose contact as friends? Well, not really. I mean, we stayed in touch and we yeah. saw each other. But then again, this was not. I mean, we're talking '92 here. It was not like everybody was walking around with cell phones and right, the internet right. was not around and all that. So, I mean, when he moved up to Umeå, it's an hour's drive, but that's a, like it could have been like on the other side of the moon basically you know because yeah. you you life just dictated it so that you didn't just like oh, i'm gonna drive an hour and see hook up with him because he was he was also in the process of like joining the band you know still right. like being the new drummer and whatever so um but yeah I, we lost touch so that we didn't speak as much as normal but i mean we didn't lose touch i mean we kept in touch and talked over the phone pretty often and i mean he came down like visited over weekends and i went up and, and then, like just for best friends you know yeah yeah so so we didn't lose touch that much but it was different because it made us stand on different sides of the fence for for once right and, but you know so and that's the only time that happened actually yeah that's pretty cool that he, uh, that's pretty cool that he reached you know talked them into like hey let's get my you know yeah. my yeah. Lee martin that's yeah. awesome yeah that's awesome do you, do you guys go out to beers or anything for like is there like a hey let's go take martin out to beers and see if like he gets turns into an asshole when he's drunk or, you know, like. yeah yeah it happens it happens they know i'll turn into an asshole they don't have to check for that but but, but uh but uh i i think you know yeah we, we do i mean i think this is true for most bands even though i mean for me and thomas he's my brother yeah and we as a band we've been together for fucking ages now this is family no i mean you know? when they when they finally sit you down to tell you hey we want you in the band do you guys oh yeah oh you're back yeah, in yeah. the day yeah, yeah. That, we went out for beers and it was like yeah you're in you know cool. so it was kind of the, they first kind of hinted hinted to the world because like okay let's go out and have beers tonight and we didn't 
when I was up, it was all rehearsing, like till we oh, dropped, okay. you know. Right. So it's like, okay, so now I, I, I actually thought I was gonna get like, okay, cool, but didn't work out. That was what I was expecting, but, um, but we were like, we got really drunk, and and I mean, the the drunk test, I actually think we 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 passed way before because we we like I said, we played together at a couple of shows. Okay. And it, tur- it turned what it turned wet. We were young. Yeah. <laughs> you say it turned wet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol. Was there a lot of? I know you guys smoked a shit ton of weed when we were on tour together. Did was all that going on back then too? No, no. I mean, uh, weed and all that stuff here is like first, it's illegal. I mean, oh, so okay. most of the, even now, yeah. Oh, oh hell yeah, hell that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, and it's. Uh, it's not like Holland. It's it's pretty it's pretty much the other way. It's very strict. I mean, you can get as drunk as you want here. You can get shit faced, and people go, "Well, he's just being a drunk." Right. Uh, but but if you do anything that's not alcohol or tobacco related, it's not like that anymore. I should say it's, it's like in the general um, in the general public view, it's way more lax. But as far as officially, you know, you're you're cooked. It's not like you're going down for 20 years. It's not like Nevada used to be back in the day, but it, but it, right. but it's 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 like we we didn't see a, a lot of that at all growing up. Just getting hammered was like the thing. Right, right. And that was and that was like touted as being fucking you know very manly if you could like you know get so drunk that you actually needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> but you know, so we just so fucking <laughs> retarded. So no, uh, and I think most bands coming from our era, not not today, but but like uh, our age, uh, was not exposed uh, to to weed like that until we started touring like internationally, basically. So. So, so you, none of that about the time that you joined then is about what the, the time of the nun ep yeah i started before the nun ep so um when i started it, it, we were kind of in writing mode for what what would turn out to be the story race and prove uh but the the label wanted us to put out something more immediately you know like just you know you guys you guys gotta have something and we were like, well, we don't have an entire album. We can tell you that. We're like, so how much do you have? And we're like, well, we can maybe put together five tracks. Um, and they considered that being an album because it was long enough. The songs were long enough for it to be an album. But I mean, it's a mini album or a double, whatever you want to call it. It's not a full length album. So we put that together. And I think it helped that I came in at that point because I had some stuff that they really wanted to use. Or really wanted to use that, we, but that we could use. So some of the stuff on on is actually some old barophobia stuff that we oh, okay. incorporated into, into the so first album. What songs are yours, or what like what's the? Uh, well, I mean, we Astic Two Step is the one, the last one, and that's kind of a weird one. That's just all of us just going nuts in the studio. So that was just written in the studio. Okay, uh, Humiliative is a track that we all wrote like rehearsing so some little parts there are just from me but the one track that's really like barophobia music is uh, sickening okay uh, so so that that track has got like that's a fucking a, badass a, tune 
uh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's old, if not anything else. But yeah, it's, it, that was like some stuff that I brought with me, and that they felt like, okay, this is really cool. We should we should put it out. So uh, that was the first one for me but then we didn't tour that one or anything we did like we played shows you know did some festivals uh we played with uh, we opened up for mucky pup actually in scandinavia for like five or six shows and then um then we just went straight into like what what would turn into be a future read machine or um sorry destroy race improve. destroy race improve yeah. yeah i uh i was just talking with monty connor uh, from Roadrunner Records, yeah, and uh, I, right before this uh, podcast, and okay. he was asking what I, I was like. I was like, "Oh, I got Martin from Mashuga coming on," and he's like, "Oh, yeah, cool." And then uh, we were talking about how, um, so Monty, Con- even though Nuclear Blast was, you know, it wasn't Roadrunner and weren't even connected at the time. Monty no. Con, right when I signed to to Roadrunner, and we were, I think we were just done with Burn My Eyes because I was still living living in Oakland. And uh, Monty Condor sent me this huge package of CDs, you know, like just a giant, I mean, it was like 30 CDs of like all these bands <laughs> from all over the world and, you know, it's death metal bands and thrash metal bands. And then, and then one of the bands is you guys, it's the mm-hmm. Nun EP, it's the Nun EP. And uh, I just looked at it and I was like, oh, this is cool artwork, you know, like, I'm, I don't know where to start, you know, like you fucking 30 CDs, like, I'm just like, I'm just going to choose. I know the feeling. <laughs> what album cover looks cool to me right now. And I was yeah. like, weird, I was like, weird name, like, I'll put these guys on. And uh, I remember just being fucking blown away, dude. I was like, the fucking, produ- the guitar tone, I just remember the guitar tone just ripping my face off. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking sick. <laughs> you know, it was brutal and heavy and. And I loved it. And I was like, I immediately was just like, I want to take this band on tour with us. And we didn't even have like a tour. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, just, like, I was like, I want to take this band on tour with us. They're fucking sick. And, um, and then burn my eyes comes out and then we, you know, we got to do the headline tour. And I was like, yeah. I remember I, we had a, fuck what was the name of our booking agent? Ian sales was our booking agent. And, uh, and you know, we had just done the Slayer tour and you know, it was Sheen with the fucking record burn my eyes. It just exploded. Like it was just yeah. beyond beyond anything we could have ever comprehended. I mean, it was just fucking. It was insane. Yeah. And uh, and he was like, "Who do you yeah, want to take?" Crazy. He was like, "Who do you want to take on the road?" Because he was like, "I want my band Mary Beats Jane to go out with you guys." And he sent me this. He sent me the CD, and I was like, eh. "I was like." It's cool. It's kind of like funky or, you know, like funk rock. Or like, we need something heavy. I was like, fucking Meshuggah. He's like, who the fuck's Meshuggah? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, just get Meshuggah. Like, I was like, this band's fucking sick. I like them. You know, like, I think they're going to fucking do killer. And he's like, I mean, he actually, like, kind of argued with me to, like, yeah. get somebody else. And I was like, I want Meshuggah. Like, this is who I want. You know, we're taking your band for the support. That's going to be my band for the opener that's awesome uh, yeah and uh yeah well that's good for us because i mean we and bands from stockholm like entombed and dismember and all those guys uh lived way closer to the continent so for them going down for a german tour was not as big of a deal i mean when we get to stockholm we got half ways to go still to get to germany right for them it was like closer so um back in the day we we didn't do 
a lot of we didn't do basically any international touring and and or tours in general it was just one-offs you know you, you did like a show here and then two weeks later it was the show there and maybe you could string a couple together if you were lucky but with the story race improved uh, nuclear blast were like you guys need to tour and they pitched we did this one tour the nuclear blast festival tour it was us amorphous dismembered hypocrisy and um benediction and us and um that was the first international tour we did but it felt like it was it felt staged it was the nuclear blast festival tour typical you know like label touring festival thing just going through three countries with switzerland austria and germany uh which was cool in its own right and really like cool tour but it was three weeks and it really didn't sync up with anything and we opened up and it was like just okay this is what it's about but when you guys actually took us out on the road that was a different deal it was a bigger i mean the venues were bigger different because you guys were like smashing everything because it was really really burmese was doing so good and you came off on a really long touring cycle with slayer right yeah slayer pretty much worldwide before doing that yeah. Uh, starting up on the headlining shows so and we did those i remember it was like nine weeks and we shared the bus with mary beats jane sister swedish so you know like we we did that whole co- co-op thing but but for us i think that tour broke us in sort of yeah that, that was the first tour that we really realized what what touring was really about being out for such a long stretch and what what happens when you're out for nine weeks in the bus in europe like a long time man it's a, it was a, i mean yeah. I, fuck, it's, I remember it was a long we had we did two more weeks after that tour ended too i know i know you guys <laughs> were crazy like going crazy no but so so honestly thank you because i mean I, I really think that tour helped us a lot like not only like because you guys were doing so well and had such a like fucking well timed and really awesome live show and was really powerful it was like you when you go out and do that stuff if you've been stuck up in the sticks and not seeing anything then like most of the bands that we ran into granted refused this from umio so we could kind of co-draw like and influence each other a little bit but even though a lot of young bands were around, like the bands that were like doing anything was not metal bands. So, you know, the metal scene was not present in that way that they were like in Gothenburg and in Stockholm and places right. like that. So for us, it was my, it was like a, an eye-opening experience in a lot of ways. And it opened a lot of doors for us. So right. that was really cool. Yeah, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. I was, it, dude, it was a pleasure for me. It was fucking awesome. You know, I was like, it was fun. My, it was a fun one of my it. favorite bands I was bringing out on tour with me. I was like, this is fucking crazy. I get to do this. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you guys, because I don't think, I don't believe that Destroy Race Improve was out yet. I think it was just about to come out. Came so out you, during the tour. Yes. Yes. And so you were playing one or two songs, I think maybe not i don't even know maybe just playing like one song and then i think after the record came out like you played a couple more or something like that exactly. but i remember Soulburn, and I just yeah. and i was just like fuck that's fucking sick i mean just <laughs> fucking cr- is that your riff uh no that's let's see Soulburn is jens and frederick I, it's a long time ago Woo. but i think that it it's a fucking crusher it that is a crusher. yeah it's awesome there. i mean we haven't played it in a long long time we played it oh, you got to bring that back that song yeah, fucking we, rules dude yeah it's, it's a pretty cool song actually we, we we haven't played that in a really long time and we did it when we had this 25 years anniversary of the band we brought okay. back a lot of the old tunes 
just for the hell of it. But it's been a long while. But yeah, we, we played that one in Future Breed Machine from Okay. That, those were the those were the tracks from with Destroy Would that Blue. have been the last song that you played every night? I think so. Yeah, Future Breed Machine. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Or we opened with it. I'm not sure. Either I, or. I, I just remember <laughs> I watched you guys because I, I almost never get to watch the the middle band on a tour because like i got to get ready but i can usually yeah. see the opening band and i watched whatever the last song you guys played every night for nine weeks yeah and i, and I never understood what was happening i was like i was like by week by week number three i was like Okay, Rob Flynn, like you're gonna get this. You're gonna understand where the one is, or you're gonna understand. Like by the fucking last day, of the, I was like, I give up. Like I guess I just don't understand. Like yeah, well, that might have been. So I was like, it is just, yeah, it's one on level above me. Like I understood everything, but that last song, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, it's fucking sick. Something, something's going on, but I don't know what. I was I like, know. it's badass, but I have no fucking idea where the drum is. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck oh, Martin's playing that's, that. Riff. That's the beauty of music, right? It doesn't really matter. It, right. it, it, like, there's no understanding to be, you know, to under. There's nothing to understand. It, it, it creates a, an emotion. If it's cool, it's cool. If it's not, it's not. Yeah. You know. Now I remember, and I remember we all. I remember all of us really liking you guys, you know, like all of us, we'd hang out. I remember, you know, Frederick, Frederick could, Frederick could be a little annoying sometimes with the ass grab. Yep. <laughs> although oh, yeah. although I did back in those days. Oh my God. Like he would just like, just grab like nonstop ass grabbing. I was like, what is up, dude? Like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's like enough is enough already. We got I was it. Like, That's the thirty time tonight. Let's stop already. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. It takes me back, man. It, it, and, it, and it makes sense because back then, I don't know, man. It, it was like um, we were aiming for stupidity. <laughs> I, I think he, uh, I think especially with Adam, too, he kind of sensed this like tough guy thing with Adam for sure. So he was always yeah. making like overly gay jokes. Like, at yeah, Adam. Towards like, Adam. Yeah, you and me him. in the closet. We make out. <laughs> like, Adam was like, what the fuck, man? like what the fuck's up with that frederick dude man i'm like, <laughs> I'm like i think he's just busting your balls dude <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing he he he's, he's he's got a knack for that the thing is that when he's sober or semi-sober especially back in the day now 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 not so much but but he he could he could kind of he had the antennas out to where it would work or not but past a certain point of drunk Right. <laughs> that antenna goes down. Right. You're just like, all right, dude. That that and the okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That was from fucking Neely City. Really, it was really popular in Sweden back then, like a humor show that was going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I I also remember. Uh, not. I mean, I I have you know just a lot of great memories, honestly. But I uh, one of the one of the biggest that stands out is certainly. I had uh, we were playing in Germany somewhere, and I try. I was going to do a Pete Townsend where you, you know, you whip your hand around a bunch of times, and you know, Pete Townsend has an, uh, a Les Paul with with all rounded edges. Exactly. <laughs> and I've you got didn't. An, I've got an explorer with a spiky end that sticks up, and I go to do it, and I go, bam! And I don't know. I must have like pinched a nerve or something. I don't know what happened, but my hand literally froze. Like I, it yeah. was nothing. 
it, I'm on stage and nothing worked anymore. Like I couldn't hold a pick and I was like, what the fuck? Fucking it tripped me out. And, uh, and you know, I thought I'd be good, but then by the night, by the end of the night, I was like, I'm, we have a show tomorrow and there's no way I'm going to be able to play guitar. Like I can't even like hold up. I can't even close my hand like to hold a guitar pick. Yeah. And I was like, let's, let's ask Martin. Like you seem like the only dude who we could ask to pull it off out of everybody <laughs> on the tour. And so I was like, let's ask Martin if uh, <laughs> he'll play the guitar for, you know, I probably only needed to, I needed somebody for like half the songs where there was two guitar parts playing at the same time. Sure. So, yeah. so I remember, uh, I remember we sat, you were, we asked you and you agreed and you were like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, no problem. And like, and I was like, I'll come back and I'll show you how to play the songs like on the guitar, like in the back of the bus. So you and I just sat there drinking an enormous amount of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> Real smoking... smart when you're trying to learn shit. <laughs> we're trying to learn. <laughs> and you, and everybody's smoking a shit ton of, I don't smoke weed, but like everyone else is smoking a shit ton of weed, yeah. you know, yeah. like getting you high as fuck. We're getting fucking annihilated on the yeah. back of the bus and like, all right. And then like you spent, I think you spent the night of the bus and then yeah, we woke up the next I, day. Yeah, I spent the night in the back in your back lounge. It was, uh, you, me, and I don't remember the other guys were coming, like coming in and out because it was a party going on, and we were trying to figure this out. And you were trying to figure. I remember you were trying to figure out. Okay, so what songs do we really need you for? Because right. I was like, I, I think it's better if it's fewer songs. Because <laughs> it was like kind of almost like, what am I getting into here? Because right. I heard your stuff. But I mean, we were out on our first like major tour trying to take care of all our shit and like trying to be like we were. I don't know. We think we were 20 people on the bus we were riding because we were two bands and two. Right. Groups. Right. And and and, and, and that was awesome. We got along fine with Mary Beats Jane. But I mean, there was quite a lot of drinking going on and all, all, all other stuff that. So it was like just coming into your bus was kind of cool because, OK, less people. But but then it was like, I really. I really need to figure this out. And I was just getting more and more hammered. And I was like, I wonder how this is going to sit tomorrow. I, this I'm thinking back, like, what the fuck were we thinking? All right, let's get hammered. And then I'm going to show you five yeah. songs that are yeah, I think it was that sound songs. really easy, but are actually a lot harder to play than they sound. <laughs> yep, definitely. And I was kind of, the day after we, when we were actually trying to pull that off, I was like, this is not going to work. Cause I mean, obviously first we went up, played our five or six songs, went off and everybody else started like drinking and after show routines and whatever. And I was like, damn, I'm going up again. Yeah. And that was a mind fuck. Cause I mean, I was playing, I think we played five songs with Mushuga and I was playing like six or something, five or six yeah. with you. So yeah. it was basically the same amount of songs again. So, and, and, and I went up and I was like, I remember that it was a hard time for me because since I hit, I didn't have you to go off on because you were only singing. Right. So I was like, am I going to who do I go off on? Do right. I, is it Chris? Is it Adam? Is it Logan? Who, 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 who is the steady clock here? Who can I like work off of? And that was the hardest part to try to figure out like, because it was one thing to like rehearse it. For like first doing it like on the bus overnight and then doing a real rehearsal for sound check. Right. But live is a different beast. You know, it's yeah. it's a different I thing to just I, I would have I would have if I would have told you, I probably would have said go off of Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. probably playing closer to what you're playing anyway. 
Yeah, you know, I think a, that was uh, I think that was a suggestion from you. Yeah. So I'm not sure, but I think that's what you told me. Like okay, Logan always kind of did the ambient on. stuff. Chris could be a wild card going crazy. <laughs> yeah, know, like. yeah, yeah. He did. I mean, to be, uh, that I do remember. First show, uh, I don't know. If, like I we it, it made it through. Okay, so it worked out. And like right, okay, right. I, cool. Did this, and then it was like I remember that the word was like oh, it's only for one show. Because it's probably going to be good and we will check this out. But then you, we were doing, and I remember this because our label was coming to Frankfurt. So you played like okay. the Longhorn or whatever it's called in Frankfurt. Stuttgart, Stuttgart, sorry. Okay. Yes, Stuttgart. yes. And, and, and we, we were playing Stuttgart and we were like, well, we need you to go for one more show. And Chris, for some reason, was so fucking hungover. He was still, he was still super drunk. Oh, okay. But when we were going on stage or going to to sound check, so going on like the the, the second like show, I was like, because then I know I went over to Adams because I was like, I can't listen to anything else coming now because Rob is doing his thing, but Chris is definitely trying to find what the other guys are doing, <laughs> and he's not gonna go off of me because he was he he made it through the show and I think it sounded pretty good, but. Like the start of the show, I'm kind of remembering this. Yeah, I'm kind of remembering this. He didn't fucking know. I know you, you guys, his tour manager, Steve, right, or something like that. uh, He was so pissed off because I walked in with a towel around my neck, coming from our dressing room, going over into you guys' dressing room. I was wanting to ask you something about something on the guitar and just starting to warm up. And Mm. he was just, "Ah, how the fuck? But, but, but Chris, I mean, we pulled off the show. Yeah. Yeah, show was I'm, all I'm right. Remembering so, it, I can't. I think he threw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he came and he threw up. Yeah, he was so fucked up. He threw up. Was, uh, good times, man. And that's like 30, 30 minutes before showtime. It's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know about this shit, but let's go for it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it was I weird. Fucking, that. we were animals back then. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. You can't keep that up anymore. It would kill you. Oh my God, no! I don't even. Know. I mean, I think that I don't even know how we kept it up then. Jesus Christ, it was fucking no. insanity. You know, no, I mean, we were we were all in our twenties, and so that made it so much easier. But like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, man. Now that was that was fucked up. <laughs> uh, Metal Hammer wanted me to ask. Uh, those were those were your first UK uh, shows. So, mm-hmm. what do you remember about the UK shows? Uh, I remember them being a big deal because uh, you guys were doing so. You, I mean, you were doing good everywhere. But when we came to to the UK, it was like stepping up a notch. I mean, we were doing the Brixton Academy for the last show. I remember that was that was actually that was actually quite a show. I mean, first of all, it was one of the biggest attendances we played. That wasn't a festival, so for us, that was a really big deal. I don't know what Brixton holds, like 4,200 or something. I don't know. But I remember it was packed. And Brixton with all those white walls, kind of a weird setup, sort of, when you're on stage. For the crowd, I, I guess it's fucking awesome. But you all have all these, like, marble whites when you're, you're like, watching out down the actual front of the house. And I remember that being, like, a really, I mean, all of those shows. Like, Manchester. I think we were in Glasgow. I think, I, I remember, like, these are these shows are fucking violent the crowd is violent here they're like it's it was another 
step up in, like as far as intensity and, and 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 size of the crowds as well so uh, i remember that leg of the tour uh, for like three different reasons first of all because it felt all of a sudden felt bigger you know like a step up and second of all our bass player went home before oh right that's right he, yeah, Peter got you had sick, that big guy. so, you had that so big we guy, had right? to alternate. Yeah, so me and Frederick took turns playing bass. My oh, songs, I played bass, right. oh, and shit. he played bass on his songs. So we had to rearrange the entire way of approaching the show. It's a lot of weird stuff going on on this stage. Yeah, didn't he have he had like floor. a mental health breakdown or something, right? Or what happened? Yeah, I he, yeah. I, I, they still. I, actually, we we meet him. We like hook up one every once in a while. Nobody really knows for sure what, what okay. happened to him because it was like, is there something with his balance, like something with his inner ears, like the mind oh, ear that's... disease or something like that? Or is it like psychological or is, and I, I really don't think they ever really figure, I mean, he's fine now, but I don't think anybody ever figured out really exactly what the root cause was. But okay. I mean, regardless, he was just, he was knocked out. He was throwing up all the time. And he was just like, every time he started like just getting out of bed, everything was, would just start to go like, oh, like being on an ocean liner and at sea. So he he just had, had to like, and that was the last thing he did with the band. He never never came back. That was like his, his at the end of his musical touring career. Wow. Uh, but for, for us, it was like, Machine first head broke him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you broke it was him. probably it was all the booze and the weed, bro. <laughs> uh, might have been, might have been, but but I mean, for us, it was like, okay, here we go. Lose the bass player. What do we do? Yeah. We can't go home. You guys, no, you guys uh, totally stepped up. Like, I gotta, yeah. you, I gotta give you. I totally forgot about this actually, but like, you you guys totally stepped up. That was like, you know, it was an awkward situation that you suddenly found yourself in. You you needed to have, you know, you weren't going to be able to show these songs to somebody in just like a day or two no no you know so you guys switching you know like i remember that like you would play bass for a couple songs and then you yeah. would switch bass and then yeah frederick exactly play and exactly play, yeah, frederick cool. played the leads on, on, on his leads on bass and it was really weird but that was one that was one thing with the with the, the was all the uk di- all the uk dates were like that all the uk dates so were not like even that. he didn't even do the london show no he didn't do oh, wow. any of it he didn't do paris either i think oh wow uh, he this he went he left in fucking Madrid I like to say so somewhere in Spain okay uh, he he left the tour but that was like those those two things were one thing but, but the Brixton show in particular was funny because you know how when you're on that stage it's it's kind of you have they have these niches like where there's like sculptures or something on the side so if you're gonna try to go backstage from front of house. You're walking like out to the side, nothing strange there, but the doors are kind of behind this little half wall, you know? So you right. can't see the stage from the stage right axis, so, so to speak, from, coming from the floor. And we were playing, I, I don't know what song, but I was just like feeling it and the crowd was going crazy. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna just toss the guitar and jump. So I made this fucking, you know, stage dive. It was all good. I like flew out there, made a real long jump and like crowd surf for a little bit, got let down and like, oh, okay, try to get back on stage. And I was like, well, I'm not going through look, over the barricade and with all the craziness that was going on there. And like, you know, so I was like, oh, I'll go, I'll go stage right. 
So I walked back, like onto the back of the, the that half wall, whatever you want to call it. And there's this big fucking bouncer there, or two. And they're like, so what, where you think you're going, lad? And I'm like, I'm, I need to get back on stage. Well, you got a backstage pass, right? And I'm like, no, because I never brought that on on stage. stage. Nobody I left right. who does that, right? Room. <laughs> Fucking rookie move. Cause cause I just they wouldn't let me in. So I was standing in an argument. Is the band still playing? Is the band still playing? Or is you guys yeah. done? Okay. Yeah, they're playing. <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta get back on stage. And like, yeah, 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 nice try, laddie. You know, like get the fuck off. And I'm like, what the fuck? And for some reason, I don't know if he, he sensed it or whatever. I never asked him actually. Edward, our tour manager, just walked out. But he didn't know I was there. I, I think maybe he he noticed I was gone okay. and was wondering what the fuck kept me. So he was like going out to see if anything happened. And then I'm like, I'm like, you need to let me back in. And he's like, no, no, no. He actually needs to. He's supposed to be on stage. And I was like, okay. So I, I played the last song, but... <laughs> That's pretty epic. Yeah. You probably missed the whole song, though, right? Yeah, yeah, missed the entire <laughs> were, song because I I remember you, jumping like were you playing on. guitar during that yeah. song? Oh shit! Yeah. So it was just yeah. bass, drums, and just vocals. Bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking professional. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great memory. Yeah, that's yeah, a great memory. That's a great memory for the UK. Like, yeah, they played a whole song without any guitar. Yeah, <laughs> guitarless yeah. Mashuga. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was it was unique. <laughs> it's never been done after that. <laughs> right? They're like, "Hey, don't do that again." Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe stage dive at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, not, maybe not keep, keep my credentials. Maybe keep my credentials on me as well. Might be a good idea, just <laughs> just in case. Do you bring uh, Do you bring your credentials on stage now all the time? Yeah, yeah. Do you? I actually, yeah, yeah, I actually do, and and it's actually because of that because I started doing that after I ne I never. I never keep them visible, like okay. like look like hanging in the chain or anything. But I keep them in, in the pocket because you never know. <laughs> do you have a uh, Do you have a a spot on the on the tour bus? Like your bed is in you know the top left or whatever. You know where where's your where's your bunk at? Yeah, so so my bunk is, is well. We have it's not like everybody's got this is mine, but everybody tends to go in the same direction so to speak so my one is actually bottom but depending on the layout of the bus but it's bottom bunk because I, I i love just like if i roll out i don't i don't fall right. <laughs> uh, that far but but uh the bottom bunk uh either um like halfway back like in the middle or or towards the front because i mean back lounge tends to get the way back lounge tends to get you know so yeah. i try to stay far away from them right <laughs> no, and you don't care if you're on the left side or the right side. It's just like as long as it's... No, that doesn't matter, but I usually write on the right side. I try to pick my spot on the right side. So the back... So the front, yeah. bottom... Front, right. bottom, bottom, okay. right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. That's funny. I've, I, I've been asking dudes on my podcast about that because, like, you never hear anybody... Like, I know, like, everybody's got almost an order, like, that they pick. Yeah. Like, I want to be here, and it's funny. But nobody talks about it because, fucking, if you're not in a band, you might... <laughs> you might not know dumb shit like this. Exactly, and but 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 it's true though. I mean, for all the times you've been on the road, if there's, I mean, every touring party, depending on who's on and what what the openers are, or whatever, they're so different, and so much shit goes down. But that's something that's really, you know, 
if, if, if you've been on the road long enough, you know where you usually sleep. Everybody does. I mean, or prefer to sleep at least. I mean, it's there's a hierarchy in certain bands and, and whatever. But for us, it's been like, you know, you, you picked your spot and you keep it. Where, where do you sleep? I sleep. So I sleep across from you on in the middle. So the okay. front left middle. Okay. I like I that you. spot. You know, yeah. I, I, I did sleep on the ground for a while, though, because I was having a problem with falling out of my bunk. <laughs> like, I'd get fucking drunk. And we had this one bus driver who fucking would rip around corners, dude. I mean, just oh, fucking. I and I fucking I hate that. Like, you know, you get woken up like almost, you know, even if you're asleep and you're not, even you know, if you're, even if you're going the right way, which is toward the inside of the bunk, it still freaks you the fuck out. You know, like it, yes, it freaks me out. And I did fall out uh, a couple times and, you know, screamed my head off at the fucking dude to slow the fuck down around corners. And yeah. uh, but then for a minute there, I slept on for, for a few years. Actually, I slept on the floor after that because I just got I couldn't sleep if I didn't. Like I was just too freaked out. Like every time I yeah. felt the turnaround. So but then I just like, I was just like I'll go back to the fucking middle. Yeah, well, the middle Easier works. to climb if into. I have, yeah, if I have to middle works, but just as long as I'm not on top. If I'm up yeah. top, that fucks me up because it's swaying and it's, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, uh, I, I don't like that. I'm, I, I really want to feel something firm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know Alexi Leho, uh, rest in peace, used to take the top bunk and I guess he fucking, they were going around a corner and he fucking flew and he fucking pretty much like dislocated his shoulder, you know, because. It's a fucking far drop, dude. Like, yeah, damn, that's uh, bad, man. Yeah, fuck them. We were on tour together, and just did fuck them up pretty bad. Well, that's yeah. awful. I, um, you know, after that tour, it seems like you guys just went on a fucking rampage. After that, you toured America. Finally, after that, you ended up doing. I think you did a couple of Ozfests, right? We did one. We did one. We, we one? did. Yeah, we did Tool twice. And oh, then the Oz, the Ozfest uh, was in between, so yeah, but we you did. Had, we you did had, like, but you also headlined. I think you did a headline tour. I remember you. I think you played Coney Island in New York. Like that was a big buzz. Like oh my god, yeah. Meshuggah's playing Coney Island, and you know. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, do you have what's your first memories of touring America or touring Ozfest for the first time? I, um, I, I remember seeing you at that Ozfest. I think it was like Down and a couple other bands, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was Hatebreed, Down, Hate and Us that we finished off the second stage every day. Yeah. So we had those three set spots or whatever you want to call it that they had, like the fixed spots on the end. Um, well, for, first time in the U.S. was really that was that was brutal in a good way. That was just such a fucking trip for us because we didn't know what to expect at all. And it was the Milwaukee Metal Fest that like invited us over and said, well, you can like be co-headliners of this stage. So on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. It was Merciful Fate. It was us and Ooh, Mayhem and whatever. So and, and, and it was for us, it was just like nobody. I mean, no, nobody knows of us in Europe. And I mean, that's so that should mean that no, absolutely nobody knows about us in, in the States. But from the first show it was like okay this is our crowd this this is way more our crowd than europe is awesome. uh and now you're now it's not like now it's pretty much similar we we like we we don't have as many bad spots that we used to so, so to speak but but the u.s was really crucial to our entire career because 
we felt that, okay, there's actually a totally different demand for us here. And people are interested us in us in the right way. Like they're interested in what we're doing musically. They're just not like, oh, are you also a black metal band? That was not the approach. It was like people were fired up about what are you guys doing? How did you come up with this shit and blah, blah, blah. So we, we the response we got from that first, and that was the Coney Island. We, we, we did Milwaukee Metal Fest and, and like a couple of other shows. I think we did Philadelphia with Cannibal Cor- Corpse at Troc while, while that was still around. Okay. And we, we did, and we finished up on the Coney Island Hype show with Dillinger Escape Plan and Kenderia open up for us. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, that was a weird, wild show. That was fucking awesome. And, and I remember for us, it was like, this, this is where we need to be. This is where we need to be doing stuff. This is this, this is where we get we're actually getting a lot of appreciation. So it felt like it was it was it was eye opening, and, and and that was really cool because then we like at that time we got approached by Slayer, and they were like, "Do you want to do like eight weeks of secondary markets with us?" And we we're like, "Yes, thank you, please." Right. Yeah, let's do this. And so we 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 came back and did that, and then we went back to Sweden and was recorded. That, that was with sick of it all, right? With Meshuga, sick of it all, Slayer. Exactly. Yes, exactly. yes. I went. I so that too. so we we were the first. Sick of it yeah, all was we kind of the oddball on that tour. <laughs> like, yeah, and I love it was, sick it of it all. Weird. It was weird tour, but it was it was a really cool tour. It was fun, and it was it was good for us. Really, was that the punk album? Us. Was that were they touring on the punk album? For that. Oh, I do. I think so. I think so. Yeah, might have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really sure, but I think so. Uh, but but the thing is, for us, it was just such a ride because we like jumped in an RV, nice. Uh, yeah. Like drove around the country and just experienced the U.S. for the first time for real since we went coast to coast and uh, and, and and with Slayer, you know, it was a big deal for us. And and that turned us on. For really turn this on for touring in the U.S. like like the pros and cons compared to Europe, and, and like having just like better buses, better right. Uh, so much thing that things that came came with the territory that we really enjoyed. Apart from being appreciated, you know that was a big deal for us. But then we we got lucky because we bet this was in '99, I guess, and we came home and did the nothing album like discovered the eight string thing and and started working on that and we were so pushed for time like getting that album out it was fucking insane how that album came about uh at the end of the day and then we just launched straight into we did we did like three weeks with tool and then we finished up the album and then and then we did uh, the Ozfest, 10 and a half weeks. And then we were home for a week and then we did Tool for nine weeks again. Wow. So so that yeah, was I a run. Adam, well, you Adam, know the, Adam, the guitar player, I remember just going, oh my God, like this band saved me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like finally something that, you know, whatever. I can't remember exactly what his words were, but yeah, I love loved you guys. Fucking, yeah, he, he, he's been, he was, he was really cool for us. I mean, I mean, all of those guys, I love them, but the, um just uh hanging out i mean maynard's not really the hangout dude 101 he likes to do his own own deal obviously but i mean we're hanging out with most of them but danny and adam and 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 justin were like 
we instantly just, you know, you know, like we became, you, you, you just talk with people. It's not this band or whatever. We're on the road and we hang out. Right, we talk right. about shit and we fired up about the same shit and, you know, like discussing stuff. So that that tour was a family tour as well, even though it was all arenas. But I mean, just, you know, like being out with them and them saying like, OK, you got 45 minutes. There's no other openers. Here's your money. And we're going to accommodate you as much as we can because we want you guys to have a good time and be as good of a band as you can because. Well, like coming up with you, like it's like we enjoy you guys' band. We want you to to be a good band every night because so, uh, we're going to be watching. And it, was, it was such a gratifying thing. That's like an know? arena tour, right? Like you're doing arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. yeah. yeah. So it was like Amazing. first night was like, okay, how many how many tickets sold? Okay, twenty two thousand. Okay, <laughs> so that's like you know, and and two that's that's tool. I mean, they can go to fucking shitville wherever and right. have that draw. So. And, and th- that was just such, but, but the tour, that, and that was something that was really, because the Ozfest, you know this, is, is such a mindfuck. It's such a, it, it's, uh, it can be. Like sensory overload. It can overload. be detrimental to your health. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, when you tour Ozfest, are you single? Are you a bachelor? Are you dating? No, I, I've actually always had a relationship while I've been on the road and I've never cheated around. I, not that that makes me special anyway, in any way, it's just the way it's gone down. So yeah. I was, I haven't been single on the road ever, basically. Wow. I think crazy. one tour. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I mean, Did you just go crazy out. on that one tour? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the tour. That the was one like tour. a debauchery tour. That Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll let fucking go, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but it was like for, for those, for, for the Ozfest, like you said, it's like somewhat of an, like, of 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 um, full blown psychosis in summertime, sort of, you know, right. being on that fucking tour. Jaeger tent. But, You're probably hanging at the Jaeger tent all the time. Exactly, and like yeah, you know, going with the golf carts and stealing as much of, out of the course tent as you want. So <laughs> then you got the Jaegers and the core going, and then we, of course, we had with Down us and Hatebreed, or actually it was Hatebreed and Down that started it, but. We parked our buses like, well, since we were the three last bands, we always had our buses pretty much parked next to each other. So we tried to make this fucking inner area where we could like put up tents and, you know, the barbecue, get the barbecue going and all that stuff. So, I mean, it was a summer long party. It was like 10 weeks of partying and like 30 minutes of metal music, like in every right. once in a while, you know. Right. Every once so, in a while. I know you're only yeah. putting a 30 minute set, right? It's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, and then it's like, bah, 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 and off the stage, it's like, okay, back to the barbecue. Okay. So, no, but it was and funny. The mu- and the mushrooms <laughs> and the weed. Oh, everything. Oh, man, those tours. Oh, they did not, they did not add uh, years to my life. They did not. Was uh, was Josta partying at that point? Was, was Jamie drinking? Uh, uh, yeah, but I think, I think he was actually trying to, it was kind of his one of his mid areas. He wasn't fully full, full blown like okay. Jamie, but but I think he was trying to like walk the line, you know. But I mean, it was hatebreed. Yeah, it was hatebreed us and down. Yeah, so, that, I remember yeah. I saw that show and fucking hatebreed just fucking annihilated. That was just yeah, it was vicious. Like it was yeah. fucking vicious. Yeah. Like they, they were really good. Fucking brutal. 
And I remember, I remember standing on the side of the stage and just looking at fucking Joss's eyes as he looked into the crowd, and he just had this fucking look, man, that was just like, I'm going to fucking murder everyone. I was like, holy fuck. It was yeah. sick. It was awesome. Yeah, who was, really who good. was the headliner? Who was the headliner on that run? Down. Oh, the, well, the main, on the main yeah, stage. For, for, for the second stage, it was down. It was No, the main stage. Tapered and down. Yeah. Main stage, who was the headliner? Main stage was, well, Sabbath. apart from Ozzy, it was System of a Down. Oh, System of a Down. Yeah, System of a Down was, yeah, they were the headliners. And so we played we played some off shows with Down and some off shows with System of a Down. Oh, cool. Like you normally do. <laughs> we only want to do off dates with the bands that have the word down. Down, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a request. You know, that's just you know, the way it's supposed to be. No, but it was fun. Fun summer, uh, weird summer um uh, that really helped us a lot but going from that and then coming on i mean we, obviously we did tour before for three weeks but there's a difference like doing like um, a sort of shake and bake tour for arenas and then get a taste of it and then going out for like nine weeks or whatever it was that was that was different uh, and and uh coming off the Ozfest, it was going into like kind of a, a, a vacuum chamber. It was, I mean, there was a lot of partying going on and that tour was not, I mean, it lived up to the rock myth in its own way, but just two bands and crew, big arenas, yeah. catering, you know, right. driving the buses. Slower, and slower speed. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it turns into like the equivalent of a fucking COVID bubble, but for touring, you know, yeah. so it was, it was, did, uh, did those guys party? Did they hang like, like drinking and. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, we, awesome. we had, we had certain nights. I mean, Adam is not really, well, I mean, he's not the party dude, but I mean, we had, we had just hanging out during the days and yeah. well, some nights as well, but I mean, um, Maynard had a bus of his own for that second run. And I think he was doing a lot of work that had to do with like perfect circle and all that other stuff as well. Like he did a lot of interviews and went to do other shit. So he kind of ran his own show, but I mean, Danny and Justin, they rode with us a lot oh, when yeah. they weren't, when, when they didn't feel like going on their bus and being like good guys, like the like good little boys, they jumped on our bus and brought all the shit. So yeah, <laughs> nice. we, we, we had, we, um, we had fun. We had a lot of fun. That's and, awesome. Uh, we, yeah, I, I love, those love hearing that. I love hearing that. That's fucking great. <laughs> Man, I remember I, I've hung around Maynard a few times and I just remember it was so many fucking girls around. Like just yeah. so many girls. It's just like they fucking. It's insane. Love. It's crazy. <laughs> like, they fucking love. I was weird. I was weirded out by it almost because it was like. For, for the first time, I remember we played, I think the first show was in in St. Paul, Minneapolis, where we were at the XL Energy Center. And after the show, I walked by this room and there was like, I don't know, 60 really gorgeous right. chicks in there. Right. No guys, like two guys standing right. in the corner, like sipping on a beer, looking really awkward. And I was like, what the fuck's going on in there? And then all of a sudden, everybody started like, so I was hanging around. I was like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, you could hear all the girls going, oh, my God. He's good. And then it's so, okay, so now he's coming. And then Maynard walks in. 
so he had his kind of audience there with with all those chicks and then i was like dude he's got his alistair crowley thing going real good you know <laughs> it's the craziest thing i ever seen i was just like what the fuck i was like oh it's just so many chicks and they're just all yeah. like insanely gaga for him yeah it was weird it was really fucking cool seeing that and i was like and then i walked into like the next room and then like you know adam was sitting there playing the guitar like having a soda you know like (laughs) really like different worlds right right no doubt what um one of the questions that metal hammer wants me to ask you is uh how did you write that all-time fucking champion beast riff in bleed off of the obzan record okay uh so that's actually a question for frederick that's his his oh his okay, track. okay. Uh, but 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 they say, i can answer it i can metal hammer it. seems to think that that was your riff so that is their <laughs> question no that that's that's not a big deal though i know i know, I know how it came about i mean uh, he mentioned it to me way before he wrote the song that like he had this idea that like to use like that standard metal triplet thing you know that like so many i mean it's it's been used over and over and over and over again since back in like 86 in one way or another uh or 83 maybe uh and but for him it was like to like he had this like you could do something else with this you could do something that would put it in a light where you know, you would recognize what it's about and the uh, what it sounds like and the, like the the output of it. You know, but, but but mess around with it so it actually turned into something more, more of a journey within itself. So, I think for him, it was like first just trying to come up with like he had this first idea to just go for the how it was like you know like arranged, and then he just like started making different varieties of it like mess around with it fuck it up and see where he like what 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 his mind would make of it so i know that he had like you know oodles i mean like uh, an hour's worth of different types of oh crazy parts yeah the rhythm and he had to like like cook it down in something that was more manageable and that turned into be bleed so which is uh, which is maybe maybe if, if you just look at it from like you know not having to kill your darlings it would be 14 15 minutes because there's like a lot of cool shit that he had to leave out but for in order for it to make a a song that would make sense yeah he'd have to narrow it down and it turned into be almost eight minutes anyway so it's not like it's short <laughs> yeah it's a fucking badass song man yeah, it's cool. I hate playing yeah. it, but but it, but it's a cool song. I remember we were on tour, and I picked that record up. We were on tour with Hell Yeah and um, the band Bury Your Dead, and uh, the singer for Bury Your Dead. I was I was working out, and I was playing the record, and it got to that song, and the singer for Bury Your Dead comes in, and he's just like, "That's that new Sugar, right?" He's like, "Holy fuck, that's the sickest!" I'm like, "It's fucking <laughs> sick, dude." That's awesome, and, yeah. and I, that's nice. I mean, yeah, that song. That's kind of our hit, you know? Right. So, yeah. In the world it, of Meshuggah hit songs, that's the hit. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Is that your biggest song? Is that your biggest song on Spotify or? Yeah, I think so. I, I It's not like I've checked, but I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, it's got that kind of, I kind of see why. I mean, 
obviously I think it's a killer song. It's pretty cool, you know, but it's got that thing where, you know, if you're an old school metal dude, you're going to recognize those triplets, you know, and you're going to like, okay, I know, I know what this is. I know the expression of this, you know, and, and if you're like a real music nerd and like to just like, oh, I need to dissect this and figure out what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. You can do that as well. Cause there's a lot of shit going on, but it's still, holds true to form so it's like and even though it's a really intense song it's not that fast i mean the triplets are pretty fast but i mean the tempo is not like i mean it's it's like so it's not that super like intense in in the actual beat so it really it really caters to a lot of different tastes i guess you know um I got I got two more questions for you here. Awesome. Um, one of them is a totally serious question about your new <laughs> album, and one of them is a totally unserious question. <laughs> I I love this. Okay, go for it, man. All right. So the fir- the first question is Lars Ulrich from Metallica has a theory that the reason that people love the Black album so much and continue to buy some thing like 5,000 copies a week, which just is mind blowing to think. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Is that so many people lost their virginity to the black album. Like the first time they got laid. That is theory. (laughs) That's his theory. Oh, great. And I think, I I think it's, I think it's amazing that he actually has to like try and rationalize why his record sells continues to sell so much. (laughs) But, uh, but, but he has a theory, though, that the reason they let is because they lost their virginity to the album. What song, if any, did you lose your virginity to? Or, or what song was playing in the background when you lose your virginity? Uh, I, uh, paint, paint, paint the story for the listeners here. Paint the story. Uh, uh, okay, so so uh, I lost my virginity pretty, I don't know, pretty late, I guess. I, that was like 17, 16, 17. And uh, she was, we hooked up uh she was 15 i was 16 she was a year younger than me and she was a metal chick so that and that just the way it had to be so i actually know that i lost my virginity to uh, at dawn they sleep at dawn they sleep by slayer mm-hmm. that's metal as fuck martin Holy i know shit. <laughs> i know and it's not it's it was totally unintentional it was just like um well i guess that's the sad part i mean being the first time it was over real quick so i know what song it was it wasn't the entire <laughs> album uh, <laughs> and this i know that we i listen i put on that record and we, we always you know whenever we were hanging out we always like it was always an album on regardless right. you know and it just happened to be you know slayer to, your, to your credit that is one of the longer slayer songs <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank I, I want to say I, it's like five or six that. minutes long. <laughs> thank you for the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. Give us, uh, tell us all the details about your awesome new album, Immutable, coming out here on Atomic, um, on Atomic Fire Records. I was told. Yeah, man. I heard. Oh, I, yeah. I kind of had to chuckle that Marcus started <laughs> a company called Atomic Fire. I, I mean, it's, and when we heard it, I mean, like, because uh, we were, we had we had this like okay do you want to guys we want to stick with nuclear blast because uh, we didn't have a, a contract so do you want to stick with 
those guys that you've worked with and known in your entire like career, or do you want to go with Marcus, who you, who was also part of this? So for us, it was kind of a, and then it was like, okay, what's this, what's this new uh, record label called? And it was like Atomic Fire, and I'm like, <laughs> Nuclear Damn. Blast, Atomic Fire. It's another well, rival mean, the company. Only, <laughs> the only good thing is that when I come to the U.S. now, they won't look at immigration. They won't look as weirdly at me when when you say like well, so what, what's this the nuclear blast america right it's like nuclear blast america it's our label name right like, that's not a great label name dude i'm like sorry i did not name the <laughs> so atomic fire might actually fly a little bit better but yeah the album um well the short lowdown is that it's a double album if this was a vinyl oh, you know okay. like it's 13 tracks Okay. 66 or 67 minutes of music, wow. which is kind of, it's the longest album we've put out so far to this date. And it's a bit funny because when we started writing, I was really adamant that let's try to make a Rain and Blood album for like the Mushuga Rain and Blood album, just like short but sweet, not maybe 27 minutes, but, you know, keep it like just over half an hour because albums aren't what they used to be anyways it's singles you know that so it's like but so we went obviously we went the opposite direction and made a double album and just like you know built it as an album and thought of it as you know like back in the day like very important with the track listing and all that shit so for us it was um it was like trying to find a like we always do try to find like what's what's the mashuga sound how do we keep it but make it interesting to us because that's been our modus operandi all along like we please ourselves we please our fans that's how it's been so we that's what we need to take care of so um we started writing it when we came off that covid like truncated touring cycle and then um after that it was just like all systems go it's just we, we've been working our asses off for like almost three years now and uh we're uh, really happy with the result. We may have tried out a few things that we haven't done before, not anything mind-blowing, but uh, from from the reactions we've been getting so far, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty much what we hope for because people are saying that it's an unexpected album and that might sometimes be a bad thing, but in our minds, it can never be and it's never nobody said that it was surprising in a bad way only positive so far so we'll see i mean you know what it's like you work on an album you really don't know when you when you're done with it yeah everything's so you know jumbled up in your head you don't know what to, how to feel about it it's just like okay good enough let yeah. it go right. <laughs> you know yeah. but we're really fired up about it it's um a lot of music it's by far the most dynamic we've been on an album that's awesome. and that's something um, something we've been going for and i look forward to see how you know it comes comes across i'm excited to hear it man you guys got some tour dates coming up too right in in the u.s yeah we're going to the u.s in let's see september october i think uh, looks uh, it's still to be the exact lineup is still i mean we're headlining and torch is opening up and then i think I know that Converge is doing some dates, but I'm not sure they're doing the entire tour. I'm not. I, I, I'm not 100 because 
well, you know, moving tours, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. It's not just something you do. So I'm, 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 I don't want to like say a hundred percent, but that's what it looks right now. And it's going to be September, October, like, uh, uh, regardless. Uh, the first tour we do is, is actually May. We start out in like, I don't know, Holland. We're doing like the French UK Holland thing, you know? Yeah. Killer. So that's, so that's that's it <laughs> awesome man well dude i tell you what it's been awesome catching up this is been, likewise this has been great man and yeah uh, it was a long it, time since i saw you man i know it's been a while dude like we just have missed each other like on tour or whatever like uh, I, 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 I said we just like briefly said hi at some german like festival show like five years six years ago or something yeah. like that but it's been a long time yeah yeah, and I texted with Jens recently when he, uh, I guess he had like a, a, a hernia or something. Yeah, yeah. He was oh, yeah, him. you had the same problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was saying, like, I talked to Rob and it was really helpful because cause he, he was, yeah, he, he was not, he was not in a good spot then. He was like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck this is, man. He, he was in a lot of pain, it seemed like, so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I'm glad to hear you guys are doing great. Excited to hear your new record, man was awesome catching up with you dude yeah that's great and nice talking to you man um, ladies and gentlemen that right there the mighty mighty martin hagstrom mashuga no fucking regrets, no fucking regrets. with rob flynn